Hello, and welcome to Folk Liar. I'm the chief liar, Brian. I'm going to tell you a lie, but I'm also going to tell you two authentic stories from folklore. If you can tell which is which, you could win a luxurious mug. All you have to do is listen to each of the stories and then email your best guess to liar at folkliar.com. To make things trickier, I rewrite each of the tales on offer in my own particular style. All the details are the same as the authentic tales, except for the lie, of course. If you know your folklore, it should be easy to tell. If you don't, sit back, enjoy the stories, and have a guess anyway. You'll have five days from the date of the episode release to send in your guess, at which point a winner will be drawn from among all the correct guesses and announced on the next episode, along with the reveal. Speaking of reveals, if you listen to the trailer for the show, you might be pleased to know that the story of the rats was, indeed, an entirely authentic Japanese endless story. No winners were drawn, but now you know. Let's begin with a threesome of folktales under the incredibly appropriate heading of Telling Stories. The first comes from Germany, and features a man who is often caught in his lies and the solution he came up with to fix it all. But don't take my word for it. There was once a rich and powerful nobleman who lived a normally quiet, pleasant life. Except that he liked to tell awful lies and frequently got caught. It was very embarrassing. Not the telling of lies, mind you, but the getting caught. Which is what people are mostly embarrassed about. One day, the nobleman decided that the thing to do was to hire a servant to help him out, someone who could get the nobleman out of trouble when the time came. Then the nobleman wouldn't get caught in a lie and wouldn't have to be embarrassed. So he advertised for the position and waited. Shortly thereafter, a man arrived and offered his services. He seemed a good enough fellow, he dressed the part and certainly talked the part and when the nobleman explained that he wanted the man to be able to lie, the prospective servant said, Well, if that's what I have to do, then that's what I have to do. It is, said the nobleman. I tell the most terrible lies, and it's embarrassing getting caught in them. I want you to help get me out of it. And to this the servant agreed, and so was hired on the spot. A few days later, the nobleman went out to an inn and took his new servant with him. After a few rounds of drinks and some good company, the nobleman told his first lie of the evening. Once I was hunting, the nobleman said, and I shot three rabbits in the air at once. Well, that's just not possible, said the people listening. We don't believe you. Then you'd better get my coachman in here. He saw the whole thing and he'll vouch for me. So they went out and got his coachman, who was, of course, the specially hired servant. Johan, said the nobleman, piling up the lies while he could, since his servant was neither the coachman nor called Johan, I've just been telling these people about the three rabbits I shot in the air all at once the other day, and they don't believe me. Can you imagine? Tell them how it was. Very well, sir, said not Johan, a name he didn't particularly like and paused as if recalling the circumstances. 
We were in the upper meadow last Wednesday when a rabbit came jumping out of a hedge. Just as it reached the pinnacle of its jump, you shot it dead. But that's only one rabbit, complained the listeners. You said three. And most of them looked very disagreeable indeed. Yes, said Jack, as his name probably was. But when we skinned it and gutted it, we found two young rabbits inside. She had been pregnant, you see. Well, of course, this shut everyone up entirely, and there was no more argument to be had. On the ride home, the nobleman turned to his new servant and said, You did very well. Even I was impressed. Yes, sir, replied, as it were, Johann. But the next time you tell lies, if you could just keep things out of the air, that would be fine. On firm ground, it will be much easier for me to help you. Our next story is from Norway, or so I claim, and is about a man, a godly man, who thinks he is far more important than he is. Once there was a parson. Now, parsons are supposed to be amiable older people who spend most of their time tending to the needs of their flock in their assigned parish. But not this parson. No, this parson thought he was very important. In fact, he often thought he was the most important person around and would ride around shouting at people. As soon as he saw anyone on the road ahead of him, he would start in, Off the road! Off the road! Here comes the parson himself! Get off the road! And carry on doing that until the other party moved aside and made room for him to go by. Well, that's all well and good when you're riding around in a parish mostly by yourself. People tend to get out of the way of a screaming man on a horse in any case, parson or not. But it doesn't tend to work very well when the king is in town. Which, on this particular day, he was. Off the road! Off the road! The parson kept shouting, even though he could barely see the king in the distance. Certainly not well enough to tell he was the king. And certainly the king wasn't going to move aside even if the parson did keep shouting. So the king just kept driving straight ahead, paying no mind to the shouty man on the horse. Well, eventually they got close enough to each other for the parson to see who it was he'd been shouting at that wouldn't move aside. And you better believe he shut right up and got off the road when he realized it was the king. Too little, too late though. As the king passed by the parson, he leaned over and said, Tomorrow you will come to the court, and if you can't answer the three questions I shall put to you there, you shall lose both frock and collar for the sake of your pride. Well, the parson knew he was in trouble. See, he was very good at shouting and yelling and making a right spectacle of himself in other ways, too. So much so that it was practically the only thing he really did know how to do at all well. So a question and answer session with anyone, especially the king, was way out of his league. He knew he couldn't hack it, never having had to give an answer for himself to anyone before. Fortunately, he knew the sexton. And since the sexton was responsible for actually taking care of the church, rather than just riding around yelling at people, he had a fairly good head on his shoulders. Do you know, said the parson to the sexton, I'm not at all keen on going to see the king. Seems like a big waste of time. Any fool can ask more questions than ten wise men can answer. 
Tell you what, why don't you go in my place? Seems exactly like your sort of thing. Take these. Good day. And before the sexton could object or ask for an explanation, he found himself on the outside of a door he had started on the inside of, holding the parson's frock and rough collar. So off the sexton went, dressed in the parson's clothes, not entirely certain what had just happened to him. Still in all, he had a duty to the church, so perhaps it was all right. When the sexton arrived at the royal manor, he found the king awaiting him on the royal front porch, wearing his crown and scepter and looking for all the world like the kingliest king anyone had ever seen. "'So you're here, are you?' asked the king. And indeed, the sexton was there, right in front of him. "'Now tell me first, said the king, "'how far is it from east to west?' The sexton thought a moment and then said, "'That's a day's journey, that is.' "'How so?' asked the king. "'Well, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west "'and does it quite nicely in a day,' replied the sexton. "'Very well. Now tell me, what do you think I'm worth, "'just as you see me here?' asked the king "'and puffed out his chest just a bit. "'The sexton considered for a while and then said, I'm taught that Christ himself was valued at thirty pieces of silver, so I'd better not go any higher than, say, twenty-nine. Aha, yes, I see. Closing his eyes, the king concentrated a moment and then opened them. Well, since you're so wise, by all accounts, tell me what I'm thinking now. Probably you think you've been talking to the parson all this time, but I'm sorry to tell you you're wrong, for he sent the sexton in his place. The king, quite astonished, blurted out, Aha! and then composed himself. Go home and tell the parson I've decided you should be the parson and he should be the sexton, and it will serve him right. And so it was, and it did serve him right. And finally, an English tale in which it is shown that finding the right bait is essential. Once, a woman sent her husband down to the sea to fish. She sent him out to fish because the cupboard at home was bare, and she didn't particularly feel like going down to the market itself. She'd been up all night mending socks, which was fair enough. The man went through an awful lot of socks, and it was very time-consuming to darn them all up again. So she sent him off to do the fishing while she stayed at home resting. When he arrived at the edge of the sea, he discovered he'd left his can of bait sitting at home on the table, which was no doubt going to get him into further trouble later. Since he didn't want to walk all the way home and back again and put more holes in his socks for his wife to mend, he started looking around for something he could use to convince a fish to bite his hook. The first thing he found was a juicy, fat grasshopper. He scooped it up in his hat and looked down on it. Mr. Grasshopper, said he, how would you like to dance and shimmy and entertain the fishes? But the grasshopper was uninterested in dancing and shimmying and entertaining the fishes, and, sensing a trick, he hopped out of the hat and away down the shore. The next thing the man found was a shiny black cricket. He scooped it up in his hat and looked down on it. Mr. Cricket, 
he said. How would you like to dance and shimmy and entertain the fishes? But the cricket was uninterested in dancing and shimmying and entertaining the fishes, and, sensing a trick, he hopped out of the hat and away down the shore. Finally, after looking around for quite some time for something else suitable to put on a hook and entice fish with, the man found a wriggly, long earthworm under a rotted old log. He scooped it up in his hat and looked down on it. Mr. Earthworm, he said, how would you like to dance and shimmy and entertain the fishes? But the earthworm couldn't hop away out of the hat and down the shore, and instead sat there dancing and shimmying in the bottom of the hat, which the man took to mean yes. And having found exactly the right bait, had fish for dinner that night and nice neat socks for his feet in the morning. Well, that was an excellent first effort, but what did you think? Which of these three tales was the fake? Tale number one about the noble liar? Tale number two, the self-important parson? Or tale number three about the fisherman and the bait? Send your guess to liar at folkliar.com and... If it's correct, you'll be entered to win our luxurious mug. Don't waste time, though. You've only got five days from the time this episode first released. Make sure to indicate the episode title and release date in your response. Folklier is a production of Fiddleback Productions and is researched, written, and produced by Brian Casey. Our website is folkliar.com. If you'd like to help support the show and keep more episodes coming, head over there and click the generosity link at the top of the page. You can use Buy Me a Coffee to make a one-time donation or to sign up for a monthly membership to the show. Members will get access to transcripts, early episode releases, and more. Once again, that's the generosity link at folkliar.com to get started. Music was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Our luxurious mug prize is awarded by Random Draw from among all correct entries. Entries are due no later than five days after the episode is first published. One entry per person, please. <laughs>